Welcome to the 20 Things Adoption Podcast with your host, adoption author Sherry Eldridge. Adoptive parents will find hope here, hope that strained relationships with their adopted children can heal. Hey friends from adoption, it's Sherry again, and we're going to be talking about another chapter from the book that I'm hoping to write, but if I don't, this will be almost as good because, you know, you can get notes from each podcast on the Buzzsprout's site. So just FYI to let you know that. The difficult topic that we're going to be talking about today is why some adoptees see their adoptive mom as an enemy. I was one of those folks. For decades, I saw Retha, my mom through adoption, as an enemy. Why did I love getting under her skin? Why did I seek other moms for advice, giving her the cold shoulder? Why did I delight in making her mad? What caused that hatred inside of me? I love what the author Louis B. Smeads once said. He said, and his book is called Forgive and Forget, Healing the Hurts We Didn't Deserve. But he describes hate this way. He says it's a tiger snarling in the soul. Hate is our response to any deep and unfair pain. Hate is our instinctive backlash against anyone who wounds us wrongly. You know, I have asked myself when I finally came to the awareness later in life that I saw my mom, Risa, as an enemy, I wondered what was wrong with me. Why would I think about her that way? Was there something wrong with me? Was there like a DNA malformed evil part of me that I didn't know about that was surfacing in my relationship with Risa? No, a million times no. And hear me when I say this, fellow adoptees, there is nothing wrong with us. We have just suffered a very profound loss, one that needs to heal, one that needs to be grieved. And so we may act out in ways that we don't completely understand. Anger is really, we have a right to that. I mean, we can get angry about things. But hate is a sign that we need healing, fellow adoptees. So let's hang on to that as we go through this. Now, I'm going to talk about four things that may cause the adoptee to see mom as an enemy. The first reason is that we may see her as competing with our first mom. Now, contemplate a lineup of moms and your child gets to choose. Most adoptees would choose the first mom. After all, we're the apple that didn't fall far from her tree. And nothing, really nothing can compare to her, even though her backstory is incredibly sad. I was once told of a story of a mom who fried her toddler in hot oil. I don't know how it happened that the child got taken to the hospital, but she did. And for some reason, they let the mother in to see the child. And what did the toddler do? She threw up her arms and squealed that she was so happy. Welcome, Mama. I'm so glad you came to see me. So it's very important, adoptive moms and foster moms and dads, that you understand this loyalty that we have to the first mother and father. So listen. 
Here are some quotes. Remember, I told you about the moms who've been helping me with this research. Cindy Koisterson says, the most amazing thing was when our son asked if loving us would mean he didn't love his first parents. Wow. And Rebecca A. Fabricus says, my child perceives my continued expressions of love as threatening to the natural bond with the woman in whom they were created. Thus, it's not me so much as the fact that I'm not her, even though I'm giving my all to do everything she would, should, or could be doing in the role and purpose of a mother. I'm sure there are some of you out there that can identify with these two moms. Just one more now. Wendy Fitzgerald says, I think for the child there's confusion in their identity that can't even be put into words. It is as if there is a betrayal of the biological family if they allow themselves to love the adoptive family. So there you go. You may not understand it, but your child may see you as competing for number one place. Okay, the second reason is the adoptee's thinking, the process of thinking, may be distorted, and it likely is. I mean, for 99% of adoptees, our thinking is distorted by trauma. And so listen to what Ronald J. Nidham, Ph.D., says. He's a wonderful adoption counselor, and he says, Yes, adoptees may consider adoptive mom as an enemy of sorts, but what also comes to mind has to do with distortion. This is to say that as the process of being parented unfolds, the adoptee distorts adoptive moms into images of the rejecting birth mother. This distortion is interesting, first because it speaks to the great inaccuracy of the perception, but also because it may be driven by a powerful wish to hurt the first mother back. So unfairly, adoptive moms take the hit that the birth mother may deserve as far as the adoptee sees it. Listen to what Erica Erickson says. She's a mom of twins. She says, as we snuggled, she told me that she just wanted to go home. When I told her we were at home, she stated no to my other mother's home. Then several years later, she asked me why I love my bracelet that says number one mom so much. When I told her it was from her bio-siblings and that it made me feel special to think I was the best mom to them, her reply was, but you are number two mom, because Tina was first. And so Erica describes what was happening. She was describing concrete, literal thinking. She was first, and I was second. Her first mother will always be first. That doesn't mean that she will be the most important, but she will always be their first mother. So that's a good explanation of a trauma brain. Many of us are stuck in concrete, literal thinking. Any of you are going to be old enough to remember this ad that was trying to warn people to get a Binkoff vaccination, and it showed couples, grandparents, likely sitting on a couch, and on their lap or in their arms was a little baby. And as the camera panned in close to the grandparents' faces, their faces weren't there. You could only see faces of wolves. That's about how distorted the adoptee's perception can be of you. So remember that. We can't see you, moms. We can't see you. The third reason that adoptees may see you as an enemy 
is that we have adoptee phantom pain. When you think about phantom pain, it's what amputees experience when they've lost a limb, like Amy Purdy, the Olympian, who lost both limbs from the knee down, both legs. And I heard her interviewed in a recent blog article, and she said that she could still feel the pain beneath her knees all the way down into her feet. And so when you think about it, moms, we adoptees have suffered phantom pain. No matter whether at adoption, whether we're babies, whether we're teens, whether we're adults, no matter what, we have lost a very important part of ourselves. And so we've lost the birth mother. We've lost the birth father. We've lost everything that is familiar. We've lost the comfort of the womb. We've lost the comfort of the home before the parent was killed in a car crash. All kinds of things. But we've lost a lot. And it just, you know, it makes me so sad to think about what adoptees and foster kids have been through. I mean, it's really, really hard to lose your first family. I think it's one of the greatest tragedies of all time. And my heart goes out to my fellow adoptees. I don't think in any way that I'm condemning you with all of this. I'm certainly not. But what I'm saying is that we have gone through a great loss. And so we fantasize about the lost one. Like, think about birthdays. Oh, maybe my birth mom, first mom, will come and have a piece of cake at my birthday party. Or, for a teen, maybe my mom will come to my high school graduation. Or, for a wedding, maybe she'll come to my wedding. I've even heard of that happening. Anyway, we think about them all the time. Now, your child will not admit that, but I'm telling you, I, as a person who was adopted and have worked with many, many adopted people, we think about our birth families almost daily. Now, for some of us, you know, that may not be in our awareness yet, but we do. And if you sit down and play with an adopted child, they'll probably want to play house and find out who's going to be the mama, who's going to be the papa, who's going to be the baby, and just let them talk through it. But I think it's really good to enter into conversations with the adoptee about that. You think about new situations also, new school new church, geographical moves, all these different things are really, really hurtful for us. They're still there. I mean, I've gone through this healing process within the last three years, and you really have to do the deep work of inner work of looking at your own self in a realistic way to realize how much you are connected to that deep loss. And I think I've said this over and over again that everything just kind of goes back to the loss of the birth mother, birth father, first family. Okay, that was the third reason that the child may look at you as an enemy. But also, the adoptee may be projecting self-hate. Self-hate, I got to discover during these last three years when I was doing all this deep hurt or deep healing. And one day, I'm going to tell you how it happened with a childhood memory surfacing that tied into my adopted mom to Rita's insecurity, okay? 
So that was the way it happened for me. It may happen for other people in other ways. But I just gotten this really cool manicure, <laughs> and I was picking out my clothes for the day, you know, and noticing what a great manicure it was. And then this unwanted thought came into my mind, or this surprising thought, like, well, maybe if you get in a car wreck today, at least your nails will look nice. So I go out from the closet. I share this with my husband. He said, oh, yeah, that sounds just like Retha. Now, let me tell you a little story about Retha. Every morning, she drove Mike to the bank early in the morning, and she drove him in her bathrobe, okay? She drove him in her bathrobe. And so every day, she'd come back and say, I hope I don't get in a, in a wreck someday in my, you know, bathrobe. What would people think? And so that was what kind of led me into this, like, I don't know what a vision is. I don't know. But anyway, I had this perception of something strange. There was a mother and a daughter. The mother was immobile, but there was a hunched over child who was dressed in raggedy clothes. Her nose was dripping snot. She was just a mess. I couldn't stand to even look at her. And I concluded that I was never going to have anything to do with her. She was something else. But later, I wondered if the mom could be Retha. Could it be Retha? After all, I had that memory of her. No, I didn't think it was Retha. Okay, so was I the mom? No, not a chance, for my daughters have never been disheveled. And then this awful thought came to me, oh, no. Could I be that child? Ah, that was the part of me that I hated. And then the thought came to me, and I believe this was from the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me. Would you parent this child for me? Would you love her back to life? Would you dress her well? Would you take good care of her and take care of her every need? That was what was going on in my head. And so... Recently, when I was just putting together all this stuff for my journal to share with you, okay, fellow adoptees, we've got to write down everything, right? But because we have attachment disordered brains and so on, at least I do, it's really hard to think about things logically. So I just put everything down, but it all just seemed to come together. And yesterday, when I was practicing doing this for all of you, I had another discovery and that was, I talked about the porcupine quills that were jabbing me. Why did I say that? I said that because maybe I was remembering the mother who was not attentive to my basic needs as a child. I remember Retha sitting on the green couch, made of French knots, plucking her eyebrows needlessly. And where was I? I, of course, had insomnia like I did all my growing up years. And I was seated on the floor by my dad's rocking chair. Now, you'd think that my mother, if she knew anything about basic needs of a child, and she was a teacher and lauded by many, why wouldn't she say, honey, come over here and sit by me and let me give you some hugs and get you so you feel sleepy? She didn't do that. So anyway, I have this new area to explore that I never even knew was there before. But that is why it is so important, fellow adoptees, that we write everything down. So, write, write, write in order to heal, to discover new things, and to grow. Now, moms, you are not your child's enemy. 
Far from it. Your child's enemy is self-hate. But it's directed at you. Does this make it a little bit clearer? Do you deserve the hate? Absolutely not. Amy Snyder says, I have always valued peace and security highly, and being an adoptive mom has challenged me like no other thing in my life ever. I wanted to send them away. I wanted to curl up in a ball and hibernate. A nutritionist told me that my adrenal glands were barely functioning after our son, who was 17 then, went ballistic on me, screaming things I'd never heard before. Pure hate. There we are, back at that word again. Hate. It's a sign that we need to feel. Listen to what Susan Morrison says. She says, only with my daughter's experience and her psychologist have I been able to understand what trauma is. It is a long life process and something that won't go away. But as we go, we can't get, we can get to a better understanding of it. And so as I close this section, I want to give you some encouragement from Amy Snyder. She writes just eloquently about what they've been through and the conclusion that they have come to and how she stayed strong in the midst of all of it. Okay, this is Amy Snyder. My children's lives, now 22 and 19, are so much better than if they had remained in their birth country or on the streets. Our family is not what we had expected and hoped for, but God is bringing something beautiful out of the brokenness. Despite many years of their screaming, crying, suicidal thoughts, cutting, pulling a knife on my husband, drugs, court appearance, dropping out of high school, premarital sex, even through all this, we can still smile at each other and say, I love you and mean it. We have taught them that love doesn't mean you can run away when the going gets tough. Love doesn't mean that you are only there for people when you like their choices. The love of the Heavenly Father is unconditional for us, even when we flip him off and go our own way. Our love for our children is the same. Even when they are at their most ugly, we can't stop loving them just as God doesn't stop loving us. We have told them repeatedly that no matter what they do, we are not going away, and we still love them. We are family forever. So there's some exposure to the research that I did and also my own thoughts as an adopted person. Now, what can moms do in the midst of all of this? I would highly recommend a book by Paula Freeman, F-R-E-E-M-A-N. Look it up on Amazon.com. It's called A Place I Didn't Belong. The subtitle is Hope for Adoptive Moms. This is a brilliant book, and it would be a great resource to start a group of moms because you can't parent alone, right? You can't be a lone ranger. You need one another. And I know a lot of places aren't safe, but you can be safe with one another. The second thing I would recommend is finding an adoption counselor that is qualified as adoption competent. And I would refer you to the Center for Adoption Support and Education. Look them up online. They know how to get you. Thank you for listening to the 20 Things Adoption Podcast. If you can think of friends or family that would benefit from this information, feel free to share. See you next time.